0: Good morning and welcome again to Journey. Uh, my name is Randy. If I haven't met you, I'd love to do so. Uh, but we do welcome you to our time together. And we're going to finish up a series today that we've been on for a couple of weeks here called Weaponized. Let me ask you this Have you ever gotten a free gift in the mail? Uh, I know that we get those things and we're like, wow, this uh, is a coupon. It's not, not much. I'm, you're trying to sell me something. Uh, but I'm talking about a re- real free gift, something that you actually could use. And what that's called is, is introductory marketing. And it's a way for companies to introduce themselves to you and uh, to kind of give you um, an idea of their product and, and let you kind of know what, what they do. One of the companies that done that well is called Gillette, and they've been doing this for several years, and they, they mail free razors uh, to young men on their 18th birthday. And along with, there's also a birthday card and a message that says, your first shave won't make you a man, but your first real shave will get you pretty darn close, And uh, basically, they want you to know that they have a product that you ought to check it out, and they're going to give you their first real shave. And that's pretty cool. They send out about 2 million of these a year, they say, and uh, they have a pretty good uh, introductory marketing plan, but their information isn't always correct. For example, uh, one time they sent one to a 50-year-old mother, a 19-year-old young lady, and wants everybody in a nursing home. Uh, So their plan isn't perfect, but it is a way for them to kind of introduce themselves and and let you know that they have something you ought to check into. You know, we do something similar here at uh, Journey Church. Uh, Whenever you move in Woodford County, we send out uh, a card, or you should receive a card in the mail, inviting you to visit our church. It tells a little bit about the church and everything, and we send it out, and this isn't perfect either. Uh, For example, one time we sent a card uh, congratulating somebody on their new home, Uh, only to discover that the lady had actually died and that her mail was being forwarded to her daughter. So it wasn't a really funny thing, but we still hope that she's enjoying her new home in heaven. Uh, we hope for sure. Well, in this series that we're talking about, a weaponized here, it means that you are being called to live your life, your Christian life in a way that you can defend yourself against Satan, but also that you can be a force for good, that you can make a difference. And I hope that you've begun to realize through this study that God wants to use you. God calls you and invites you uh, into his army, the Christian army, and that you are a cause for him. When you go out into the world, your influence is powerful. And God has designed and equipped us in a way that we should be able to go out and impact the world around us. Now, the reality is that most of us feel pretty inadequate, pretty unprepared when it comes about to, to going out and sharing our faith. And we really do, we know we ought to, but we don't always do it very well, and that's pretty uh, pretty obvious. In reality, though, we have so much power available to us. Uh, we have so much strength that God's given to us, and we just need to step up into the calling that God's made for us. In fact, rather than being intimidated and shy about our faith, we are called to storm the gates of hell because people are headed there without the word of Jesus Christ. And our job is to tell people about who Jesus is. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. You know, I think all of us want to make our lives matter. We want to find our purpose. We talked about that last week or week before. We talked about learning, wanting to make a difference in our world. And our faith gives us the opportunity to do that. It gives us something that we have that is very valuable, something that we want to introduce to people. And and it's hard for us to do that because most of us kind of live our lives as undercover Christians. You know, we value our faith, but it isn't always something that's out there and that people know about it. And it isn't something that we often share with other people or introduce them to what we believe. But understand that our faith is the most powerful thing in our lives. Any accomplishment that we have beyond that, any accomplishment in our lifetime, like uh, no matter our job, our, our, our family, our possessions, whatever it, whatever it may be, and no matter how impressive it might be here, there is nothing at all compared to the work that we do for Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that one day that's all that's really going to matter. Everything else is going to be destroyed. It's all going to just melt away. And only what we do for Christ, because that work supersedes our family, our job, everything. Because one day it's the only thing that will endure. And, and life here is a battle. It's, it's a spiritual battle. The Bible describes that. We talked about that several times in our discussion in this message, where we do the work of Christ that He began when He was on the earth. Now, one thing we do know is that we're going to be on the winning team. As believers, we're going to be on the winning team. It may not seem like it all the time. In fact, sometimes if we were to look at the United States alone, you might feel like, well, we're losing because we're being told that Christianity is declining and that more and more people would probably describe as their religion when they're asked, they would say none. So we hear about the rising of the nuns, not N-U-N, but the N-O-N-E's, people who don't claim to have a faith at all. And so it's a little bit discouraging here in, in the United States. But let me tell you, Christianity is booming in other parts of the world. In Africa and Asia and other continents like that, uh, the gospel is being spread everywhere. And in fact, America is actually becoming the mission field that those countries used to be. They're sending missionaries to us because they understand that the gospel is slipping in the United States. And that, that's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. But the reason for that, in large part, is because we aren't doing the job that God has called us to do. So those of us who are here and live in this country have to think of ourselves as missionaries right where we are. We often think about missionaries going to other countries, and few of us are willing to able to go do that, but God calls us to be a missionary right where we are. And our mission as Christian soldiers is very clear, and that is go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Jesus was clear about that. In fact, it was the last words that are recorded on this earth of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. The reality is, is that God has commissioned us just as a country might commission their soldiers, their military, to go and do the work and the desire of of the head or of the king. And we have that kind of, kind of commission. And we have great news to share as well. John chapter three says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So that's the good news that we have that we're to take to the world. And along with the good news though, we also have to first share some bad news because before you're prepared to receive good news, you have to acknowledge the bad news that without Jesus, there is no eternal life. There is nothing beyond this world. He is the only plan. There is no plan B. And also we have to understand that we are the only plan to let people know. So we are to be empowered to do that. And we use this verse a couple times in previous messages. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So remember that whenever you share your faith, you talk to someone about Jesus, you are sharing the most explosive and powerful thing that the world has ever known. In fact, not even the gates of hell can stand up against the message. So when you're intimidated a little bit and you think, well, I don't know if I have the courage or people need this, let me tell you, everybody needs to know this, everybody does. And unfortunately, we're keeping it to ourselves when it needs to be shouted to the world. So in order for us to share the good news, well, I think we have to be weaponized. And so I'm going to wrap up this message series today by challenging you, by encouraging you to say that the Word of God is needs to be incorporated not just into your belief system, but into your actions as well, in the way that you live life. And that doesn't mean that you're aggressive. It doesn't mean that you force your faith on people. But it does mean that you feel confident to share your faith, that you are weaponize, you are prepared defensively and offensively in order to share your faith, obeying your commanding officer. Listen again, 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians 5. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And that he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Do you see the heart and the spirit of that? Where Paul says that the mission has been given to us, handed to us, that nobody else is going to do it for us, that God has chosen his people to share the message. That when Christ left the earth, he handed it over. He gave and trusted the mission to his disciples. Those men obviously are dead and gone. Now it's given to us, given to us to share with the world. In fact, Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador does? They go between two parties. They try to make peace. They bring uh, conversation. They bring interaction, communication from one party to another. And contrary to what we might think, not everybody knows the danger that we are in, that they're in. You know, I think sometimes we have this idea that everybody knows what we know. It's the curse of of the unknown or, or what people don't know. And many people, though, are blissfully living their life with no sense of danger. And you see it every day people that just are going through life and they seem like they have it all together and everything is fine and they seem to be happy. And so we assume that they're fine. But the problem is, is that we have inside information. We have knowledge of sin. We have knowledge of God's word. We have knowledge of of eternity. And the world doesn't think of that. They don't stop to consider the danger they're in. They don't realize the the danger that sin brings, but we have the cure to sin. But how in the world are people going to know that if we don't tell them? In fact, the Bible says in Romans 10, how then can they call the one they've not believed in and how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, the language here is not just standing up and sharing it publicly. It's talking about one-on-one, just communicating the gospel to people. People can't hear unless someone shares it with them. And the reality is that many Christians will never invite someone to church with them. Many Christians will never, ever have a spiritual conversation with someone. The only way you do that is that you are intentional about that. So I want to challenge you today as we kind of wrap up the series about being weaponized to first of all have the confidence that God's given you He's given you a faith. He's given you a hope. He's entrusted the the gospel to you. So now I want to encourage you to take that out to other people. And I want to do that by a very simple plan. I've shared these words with you before, but we all need a reminder. Two simple words to describe a strategy that any of us can do. Anyone can do these simple things. The first word is invest. Invest. You know, investing in someone is simply about building a relationship. It is simply about getting to know them spending time with them, building relationship and building community with them. You know, every one of us have people in our lives that we could build a relationship deeper to the point that we could share our faith with them, right? I mean, gone are the days back when you could have a spiritual conversation uh, with someone you didn't know. When I first went into ministry, uh, we did cold calling. We'd knock on somebody's door and try to talk to them about Jesus. And believe it or not, people were somewhat responsive. Imagine what that would be today if someone were to come to your door and, uh, and try to talk. It doesn't go over very well, does it? Most of us know uh, that we don't respond well to that. But in a relationship, people will develop trust and confidence and, you know, and, and there'll be honesty and you can talk to them about the most, on, the most important things in life. And it's easy because we already know that these invested relationships are built upon real concern for that person. I don't ever want you to, you know, use people or exploit people, but I want to want you to think about the people in your life that you could be more intentional with, people like neighbors and friends and coworkers and family members, parents that you sit with at the game, people that you see at the at the gym. See, I believe that God brings people into our lives, and in fact, that we are there are what many call divine appointments, where God kind of puts you in contact with people that that you never thought about, people that, that kind of, or, God orchestrates these, maybe you meet someone or you connect with someone on some level about something else, but God uses that in powerful ways. And the reality is that we squander a lot of these relationships because we don't nurture and cultivate them. We don't go back and touch base with that person again. We might say hello, and, but we don't make it go deeper. So if you're going to make an impact, you have to be very intentional to build relationships and invest in them as someone who is on a mission. Most of us don't see our faith as being on a mission. We don't see ourselves as intentional as a soldier might be. But that's how we need to think about our faith. You have to introduce yourself to them. If you don't know them, you have to stop in to see them. You have to you know, invest in them and you have to pray for them and pray for openings to talk about spiritual things. And if you invest in them and pray, that opening will come to you sooner or later. And you'll have the chance then to share your story. And that's important. You see, our story is the most powerful thing that we have been given that's unique to us. You say, well, the story of my faith is kind of boring. You know, I mean, for me personally, I grew up in a Christian home and, and um, God kind of protected me and, and brought me along. And then I went into ministry. Well, that. That doesn't, that's not a very dramatic testimony, but you know what? Maybe that testimony is just what somebody needs to see. My character, I hope that I present that. My concern for people, your story may be different. Maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home and you came to know the Lord as an adult, or maybe you wandered away and then you came back. I mean, everybody's story is different, but the power of the story is amazing. And that's why every Christian needs to be able to tell their story or testimony about like, what life was like before Christ, about where God brought them from and and the difference that Jesus has made in your life and your marriage, your children. and, And what it's like to be a Christian, that you can just be a normal person and be a Christian. And they're going to have questions about that, no doubt. And then you can take the next action, invest first. The second action is invite. Invite them to church. You know, we want to create a safe place here a place where people uh, are, are, are welcome, people can come and see, come and see Jesus, where they can come and find community and relationships, and, and more importantly, where they can come and find Jesus. Remember that Jesus chose to use his people to draw others to himself. And we are the body of Christ here upon this earth right now. Now you may think that all of your acquaintances are content, And they're all safe and they're all good with God. They're not looking for anything. But the reality is that everybody is searching for something that's missing in their life if they don't know Jesus. And people are trying to fill that with other things, obviously, and they're busy running here and there. But the reality is that none of those things satisfy. But as someone who does know satisfaction and knows Christ, you have the unique opportunity to invite them to discover Jesus, And let me tell you this, if you are confident in yourself, talk to them one-on-one about their faith. Bring up those spiritual conversations. But if maybe you're struggling with that, the the excellent place, the most convenient place is to invite them to church with you. Invite them to come and worship with you, you know? That's that's so important. An invite is just an amazing thing that we can give that doesn't cost a dime. And that's how it always works, that people invite others to come and see Jesus, In John chapter 1, we have the kind of story of several waves of invitation of people who brought others to Jesus. It says, the next day, John, this would be John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when those two disciples heard him say this, they followed after Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked him, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find, the, find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, means, which is translated as Peter. Peter. selection out of the book of John, where one person after another hears about Jesus, and they invite someone immediately to come and join them and come and see. And that's the most, that's the easiest invitation I can imagine. Just come, just come and see. See how it works? John pointed Andrew to Jesus. Andrew pointed his brother Simon, who became Simon Peter to Jesus. Peter, uh, excuse me, Philip invited Nathaniel to come, and so on and on. What I discovered is that when you find something good and pleasing and satisfying, you want to invite other people to enjoy it as well. For example, you find a good restaurant and you're gonna tell people, I had the best meal the other night. You need to go, let's go together to the restaurant. Or maybe you see a good movie. You know, you wanna recommend that movie. Or maybe it's a great store. You know, we have our journey provisions and and I hear stories all the time about so-and-so told me about the store. I love this place, I'm gonna bring my friends here. You know, it's kind of cool how we're able to share what's important to us with other people. And there is nothing more important than the gospel. It's easy to share something that's important to you when you're in relationship with other people that you know that they would enjoy or maybe need the same thing. And everybody needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody needs a church home. Everybody needs to belong to the body of Christ. And you know what? You can find a way to invite them to come to church with you uh, our children's programming, an event like the other night, we had hundreds of people here, uh, most of whom I didn't think I even knew, which is great. But you know, it, it was amazing that people invited others to come with them to see something. Don't just invite them to an event, invite them to come to church with you as well. Maybe you come to a, a sermon series or just an invitation to come to church. So when you've invested in them and they like you and they trust you, they're gonna be very likely to come to church with you. In fact, statistics say that 80% of people would come to church if you invited them. So eight out of 10 of your friends would come if you invited them to come to church. And they may even be uh, wondering why you haven't. Ever thought about that, that maybe they're like, I don't know if it's important because they've never asked me to come with them. How important is it to them? So why don't we do this more? Why don't we do it? God's designed a plan. He has his people. He tells us what to do. Why don't we do that? It's kind of baffling to me. And I'll be honest, I'm not being critical. It's baffling to me about myself. Why don't I do that more? Because what we do here in our worship time, coming together is the most important thing that we do all week, where we worship and draw near to God because we are building into a relationship that one day will take us into eternity, into heaven. That's why it's so important. And everybody else needs the same thing that we need. But I think there's some probably some pretty good reasons or valid reasons why we don't invite people all the time. And one of them is that sometimes we're just awkward and a little bit embarrassed about our faith. I'm not sure why, but there's something in us that, you know, that we think, well, it's a private thing. I really don't need to share that with anybody else. I don't want to force anybody else. And and, and I don't think we should do that either. But sometimes we're awkward and we don't invite. Some people are embarrassed to talk about their faith, but we shouldn't be. Because Romans chapter one says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Do not be embarrassed about your faith. Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my father in heaven. So every time that you share your faith or talk about Jesus or what you believe, that in turn is uh, kind of brings a repercussion of God hearing from Jesus, this is my child. I'm proud of them. They got the courage to speak up. Other people may not invite because you think you don't have any in church friends. You don't even know. You think I don't know who to invite. But the reality is that you have people in your life. You have plenty of people in your life that uh, that don't know the Lord. I'm confident. Uh, a figure that we've heard several times is that 85 percent of the people in our community don't go to church. I'm not sure if that's right or not, but I mean, if that's true, think about 85% of the people that you know may not have a relationship with God or a church home. You know, that, that's important. When, when you say you don't have anybody, you're just not choosing to think about those relationships or the people that, that really matter to you. You know, a lot of times I think the longer we've been in church, the more our circle might seem to close in. And we might think that we don't have any unchurched uh, people in our life. And when that happens, you need to get out of your comfort zone and broaden your horizons and meet some new people. You need to be more intentional about that. Purposely put yourself in situations and in circles where you're going to make new relationships. Maybe you join some new group or you go across the street and meet your neighbors or you invest in your coworkers and you just start kind of pouring into them with the idea that you want them to know Jesus like you do. Well, I think there's one more reason that we may not invest and invite people And that is that we don't think there's a need. We don't think that that anybody has a need for that. We don't think our friend, our neighbor, our coworker, or maybe a family member who's not a believer, we don't think they're in trouble. Let me just say this, I think it's very convenient to think this way. It's very convenient for me and comfortable for me to think, oh, you know, people know we have church here on Sunday morning. If they wanted to come, they could come and do that. They can always show up. We'd welcome them when they come in. That's our mentality sometimes. It's very convenient to think that people are okay, that they're not lost. But let me say this, that Christianity is not just some optional club that some people choose to join and some don't. It's the only hope that people have to avoid hell itself. And this is not a game. This is as real as it gets. This is not optional about anything else that the world knows. Not optional about what you believe about sports or what you believe about politics or anything at all. This is real. And one day it's all that's going to matter. You know, Jesus told a story about a man who died and went to hell. And it's a powerful story. Uh, We know it as the story of the rich man and Lazarus. But it says there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. You know, I don't believe that's just a a story. I believe that is reality. Reality. And that's when we think about death and we think about being prepared. It's We need to be soberly, think of it in context of this scripture. And there's a couple of takeaways that we get from this. And the first one is pretty obvious. And that is that everybody dies. Everybody dies. The Bible says there's a put under man wants to die and then the judgment. And the rich man in this story, he had everything on earth, but he couldn't avoid death. He could not pay his way out of death. And he died probably unexpectedly. But you know, isn't that how about everybody dies unexpectedly? We don't think we're going to, they don't think they're going to, you know, die at that point unexpectedly. In the United States, 7,000 people die every day. Do you know what the odds of death are for you and for your friends who don't know Jesus? You know the odds? 100%. 100%. Everybody is going to die. The only exception being if you're alive when Jesus comes back. That's the only exception. Everybody's gonna die. Here's the second takeaway, that whenever we die, we face either hell or heaven. Both of them are real, and you're gonna go to either one or the other. People love to think about heaven. Everybody plans to go to heaven. Most people are not making plans to go there, though. Nobody plans to go to hell, but the Bible says that there will be more that go to hell than those those who go to heaven. The wide road to hell, the narrow road to heaven. The Bible speaks of that clearly. But both heaven and hell are real, and you're going to go to either one or the other when you die based on the decisions that you make in this life. And Jesus cared about whether people went to heaven or hell. In fact, he came to this earth, he spent his lifetime saving people. On the cross where he was dying and suffering, he saved one more. And with his death, he saved us all. Jesus came to seek and save lost people. He believed in hell and we better believe in hell as well. And then one more takeaway. I think this is interesting is that five minutes in hell will make a believer of anyone. Five minutes in hell will make a believer of anyone. The rich man had no time for God on the earth. He wasn't, he didn't go to hell because he was uh, rich. He went to hell because he was, didn't know Jesus. He wasn't saved. But now that he was in hell, he knew it was real. He didn't want anybody else going there. He knew he couldn't go back and tell his brothers he needed someone, to, he wanted someone to go and warn those who were still on the earth the truth about hell. Don't let people experience hell for themselves to, only to find out that, that it's real. The reality is that we know the truth. We're living the truth. We've chosen to believe this, to live in this way. So we better make sure that the people that we care about in our world, I mean, I don't know a single person in, in this world that I would want to go to hell. I don't know of Anybody? People I don't care for, I wouldn't want them to go to hell. I don't think anybody would want that. But the reality is that many are. So we have the word, we have the truth to prevent that. We have to make sure that we are doing that. And in fact, I believe one day we'll be held accountable for that as well. It's kind of interesting how blasé that Christians become about that sometime. But it's also even more interesting, perhaps, how strangely enough, atheists are not blasé about it. First of all, let me just say this, that the world is screaming its message out. And Christians, we're holding ours inside. But it's also interesting to see that some atheists respect people. Unbelievers, just general unbelievers, respect people who will share their faith. A few years ago, I, um, I used this illustration, but to me it's so powerful and it just kind of came back again. So I want to share it again. It's a story about Penn Jillette who is of pen and Teller. You perhaps have heard those are magicians. I think they're in Las Vegas most of the time. He is an outspoken atheist. In fact, both of them are outspoken atheists. Uh, he boldly thumbs his, his uh, nose at God. He does uh, a podcast about God, about not believing there is a God. The sad thing is that one day, he, like everyone else, will discover that there truly is a God, that God's real, that hell, heaven is real, hell is real. But what's interesting is that he does appreciate believers who will share their faith, um, if they believe in God. And so um, there's, there's a clip of him kind of doing a, a little uh, video after a show about a man who came up to him after the show, give him a Bible. So i to show that real quick.
1: I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show and at the end of the show, uh, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it, but he said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition um, New Testament little book about this big this thick. You know. I believe he knew that I was an atheist but he was not uh, defensive and he looked me right in the eyes and he was truly complimentary it wasn't in any way it didn't seem like empty flattery he was really kind and I've always thought that and I've written about that and I've thought of it conceptually this guy was a really good guy he was a very 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 good man and uh, that's really important and with that kind of goodness uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff but man that was a good man who gave me that book That's all I wanted to say. You know, to me, I think that's so powerful.
0: It really is. There's a man who doesn't believe there's a God, but he respects someone who came to him to share his own belief in that. And I think there are a lot of people who maybe feel like that, who think about it, and maybe even wonder why. If this is so important to you, why do you never mention that to me? But that one statement that he made just keeps coming back. How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them if you believe it? None of us would say that we hate people, probably, but we must not love them if we're not sharing our faith. You know, part of being weaponized is to recognize that God's put people in your life for you to influence. Are you intentionally investing in them? Are you prepared to have a spiritual conversation or to invite them to church or to tell them your story? And who are you specifically investing in right now? Who should you be investing in? I want you to think in a few moments about who that might be. Or maybe you're here this morning and someone's invested in you. They invited you to church. They kind of lived out their life quietly in front of you. They told you that their faith was important and they, maybe they invited you to be here this morning. And the reason they did that is because they care deeply about you and about your eternity. And I would say that if you're here and you're not a believer, you've never given your life to Christ, I would love to talk to you about that. I'm going to be up front a little bit after the service. I'm going to be available. I'd love to have that conversation with you and to tell you the amazing truth of Jesus, his love for you and the plans he wants and has for your life and how that you can get in on those plans for yourself. So if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I'd love to talk to you about the love of Christ for you and and his desire to have you in heaven with him. But if you're here today and you're not, Uh, You haven't been sharing your faith. You haven't thought about this recently. I want to challenge you to do that. And and so in our time to wrap up this morning, I'm going to ask if you would just to kind of stand with me. And and then I'm going to ask you to kind of close your eyes and think of that person just here for a moment that you know that you should invest in, the person you care about, the person that you know maybe God has brought into your life specifically for that reason. Let's stand up. uh, Let's close our eyes. Let's think for a moment of that person. Maybe, uh, maybe it's someone you work with, maybe a family member, it could be a neighbor, uh, It could be uh, just an acquaintance that you have. Think about that person and then ask God to give you the, the strength, the words uh, to do that. It will mean investing in that person. It will mean spending some time going out of your way, showing love, showing concern for them, building some community, a relationship of trust and then bringing them to the one who said, just come and see. And this morning, as, as we do wrap up and have this song, we're going to be up front here and there'll be people available to pray with you. And maybe you want to pray for that person. Uh, I, I pray that God lays someone on your heart that is not just a, an awareness, a friend, but is a burden. That God would burden you with this person and that you would move to make that, uh, build that relationship and share your faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come this morning, and Lord, uh, uh, some things are so serious that, that we just often skip over. We don't think about the power and impact of. Lord, uh, this is the most important thing. We think about the people in our life that we care about, the people that we, uh, that we see, that we think favorably of, but maybe even, Lord, those that we don't know, uh, that are close to us, that you have brought into our life that we have never maybe built a friendship with or had a conversation with God, but maybe they're there waiting. And, and Lord, help us not to be judgmental, but help us just to find out that uh, where they are with you. Father, we may find that they're a strong believer, and, um, but Father, we may discover that they don't know you at all. Lord, I pray that you would help us never to squander an opportunity or a relationship. Father, I pray that, that we would uh, not only build uh, and, and invest in them, God, but we would bring them regularly before your throne, and lift them up, and God pray that you would move them. Uh, pray for them, for their their eternity, for their, for the hope they have in Christ. And Father, I pray that uh, that all of us, if it would be more than a concern, it would be a burden on us, Lord. We would see where you placed us and the call you have on our lives. Lord, we love you and we worship you. I pray that there are those here this morning who don't know you, who, um, who don't have that assurance of, of hope and life in Christ, that Father, you would... Just bring them to you. Draw them to you, Lord, through your love. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.